Okay, um, today's share is uh, sponsored by Chosif Rishlam and Rafal Chaim Sharyashiv and Baba Chaya Rifka. Okay, now I want to talk. I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to start a few. We'll take us a few weeks to get through it. I want to talk about um, Bezdin when Bezdin doesn't exist anymore. What the powers of Bezdin are still, and uh, other such examples. But let's start like this. The we know that Bezdin today, the Sanhedrin was Nisvatel at the end of the Bayesheni, and it doesn't have the power anymore to put people to death, to, give, to inflict capital punishment. So let's start with the, you know, you know what? Let me start like this. One of the most, one of the most um, say, common occurrences where you'll see the power of, of Yidin to put someone to death, even Mamash up to the modern era, even something that's very, very recent, where you'll see that being done, even though the din of a Sanhedrin, the power of a Sanhedrin is weakened, is by a Meiser. When someone informs another Jews, or is a habitual informer who we're afraid he's going to continue informing another Jews, so you'll find that he could be put to death or, or injured or etc. Even in today's day and age. Now, just to, to frame this, I'll read you a quote that was written by a, a, a Russian government official, a Russian general, in 1838. A general by the name of Dmitry Gabrilovich Bibkov. If I'm saying his name anything remotely correct, he wrote a brief to the government, to the government of Tsar Nikolai I, and he said as follows. He says, there's a terrible thing that goes on that Jews get killed for, you know, informing another Jews who are committing crimes. He says, and I mean, this is his quote, it's even more heinous, this that the Jews do, this that they kill other Jews, because it is committed in places intended for prayer and for studying and the principles of, the principles of faith. The Hainu, a lot of these murders, a lot of these uh, punishments are meted out in a synagogue, in a shul, a place that's really committed for Torah and Avayda. Such actions is in the nature of the autonomous adjudication by the court of a Jewish rabbis, carried out on the basis of, the, of, the, of their false law, concerning the elimination of informers who reveal their co-religionist crimes. This is a, they're able to make these ad hoc batedinim in their shuls, and they can put to death people who, who, you know, who inform other Jews. Uh, the greater the crime, the more tricks the Jews devise to conceal the guilty parties and the real reasons that brought it about. Despite all efforts at intensive investigation, they succeed in obfuscating the inquiry to such an extent that not only does the identity of the guilty party remain unknown for a long time, but even the identity of the murdered person remains unknown for a long time. So this is a, a, a Russian government official in 1838 who's writing about trying to stamp out this terrible evil of killing Maesrim that exists in the, in the, you know, Jewish, in the Jewish world. Uh, um, a different thing I came across once, Reb Reuven Margolius, in his Sefer on Sanhedrin, Margolius Hayam and Daphne Vav, he brings, and the reason why this interests me is because he's a person who died in 1970, and he's bringing a personal story that his father told him. He's telling a story from his own town in, in, uh, in Galicia, where his father told him a personal story, he says, that uh, there was a moisture in his town, it's called Griding, right near Lvov in Galicia, and there was a moisture over there, uh, you know, a tough guy, and as upon him, nobody was able to stop him, he says. And he says, Pamachas, Belel Yemekipurim, Lefnei Amiris Kol Nidre. When there was on Arabim Kippur, Lefnei Amiris Kol Nidre, Kisha Ahmad Oisei Moisir, when that moisture stood, Atuf Betalise, wrapped in his talus, Pekaisal Amizrach, Samach Lamakam Arav, he was sitting in a very prominent place on the Mizrach Vant, right near the Rav, getting ready for Yom Kippur. He says, Who the Rav is, Arav Damasas, I go into Yeshua Klugerzal, Nagshu Anashim, um, um, Achadim el Hamoiser, 
a few individuals came up behind the Moiser, they pulled his talus down over his face, they tied up his mouth in a way that he couldn't talk and couldn't scream, and uh, they took him out of the shul which stood on the banks of the river, they threw him into the river. When his body bobbed back up to the surface on Yom Kippur day, Hover Koil Shetavas Atzmai, Koil went out, a news, a news bulletin went out that he drowned himself. And on Yom Kippur they buried him. When the police found out, they started doing investigations. And he says, They dug out his body to see what the cause of death was. And then they started collecting uh, witness statements from everyone who was in shul on that day. Harav, Eshchenov, everyone who stood near him on the front of the thing. And he says, the biggest nest that ever happened in our town is that in a shul that had 400 mespalim on Yom Kippur, no one breathed the word. He says, that's the biggest nest. And, and this went unpunished. And this is a story, uh, maybe late 1800s, early 1900s, hard to say exactly, but basically running till, till very recently. So... <clears throat> That's the kilu, the, and everyone in their mind, I think, knows like folklore, stories, different things of like Moisim who were put to death, right? This is a pretty common, shtetl justice, I think, includes putting Moisim to death. It's a pretty common, uh, you know, shtetl justice piece. So, so let's go through some of the chazals, the gemaras, the halachas that lead up to this framework in halacha that allows this to be done. So the, originally we have to know that Bezdin, the Sanhedrin Agdailu that sat in Lishkas Hagazes, they were the ones who were able to enforce the dinim of capital punishment that the Torah gives to many, many different Averis, right? There are many different Averis, Chamuris, that the Torah prescribes the of Misa for. And the, the Bezden and Agadul sitting in Lishkas Hagazes in the Beis Hamikdash, they were the ones who were able to, you know, to, to do this, to, to met out this, this Einish to people who needed it. Now, towards the end of the Bayashini, so it says as follows, the Gemara of Edizar and Davcha says, Mem Shano, actually, Charav Habayas, 40 years before the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, Golsa Sanhedrin Vyashvalah Bachanus. Sanhedrin was Galsa from its place and it sat in Chanus. So the Gemara says, Lamai Hilcha. So what's the Nafkamina if Bezdin went into Galus and they were sitting somewhere else? He says, The Nafkamina is, Amri Vitzlikvaravdimi, To tell you that they were no longer able to down the dinim of Knossus. The din of giving someone a Knas, which is you know, an extra punishment, an extra penalty that wouldn't be you know, justified by the regular laws of Chesh Mishpat, they weren't able to do that anymore. Says the Gemara, Knossus? What do you mean? Knossus is telling in Smicha. Knossus has nothing to do with Bezdin sitting in Bimkaimai. And the Gemara brings a whole a famous story with the Yehuda ben Bava and how he salvaged Smicha of Eklayosor for a few generations. So Knossos still went on. So says the Gemara, what was it for? Don't say that the power that they lost, that they ceded when they left the Lishkas Hagazes was Knossos. They stopped donning the dinim of Dinah Nefashis. Anything that had to do with capital punishment, they stopped donning those dinim. My time. So says the Gemara, what's the reason why they left and they stopped donning the, the din of capital punishment? My time. Even the Chazu who writes him, they saw there was a lot of murderers. There was a lot of, uh, of, you know, there was a lot of material for capital cases. And they weren't able to down so many of these cases. It's better we should be running from Gullus to Gullus, so we shouldn't be of people to be killed. Bezdin understood this din that being in the Lishkas Hagazes is what imbues them with their power and if they're not sitting in the Lishkas Hagazes they lose a certain amount of their power and they're not able to do any more din in the fascists. so because of that they ran away so they shouldn't have to down any din in the fascists. now the Gemara in, in, uh, in Rosh Hashanah says this in a more 
call it like a spiritual sense. The Gemara brings a, a Maimah Chazal that says that when the Shekhinah left Yerushalayim by Bayes Rishon, the Shekhinah left in ten phases. Like first it left from, from the Kruvim, then it left from the Aram, then it left from the, from the Kedosh Akdashim, then it left from the Beis Mikdash. It receded further and further. Kilu Kaviyach, HaKadosh Baruch was saying, I don't want to be here with you and I'm, I'm moving further and further away from you. And then the Gemara makes a parallel and the Gemara says, in Keneged, the Yud Masayis that the Shekhinah went when it left Eretz Yisrael during the Bayes Rishon, so too the Sanhedrin left during the Bayes Sheni, it was Galsa 10 steps from where it started in Lishkas HaGazes and as it diminished in its power. So there seems to be some sort of like a Ruchni sticky component that the Sanhedrin, when the Sanhedrin was moving away from Eretz Yisrael, it was reminiscent or lying in it is the same, you know, closeness of the Shekhinah that was being, you know, degraded, that was moving away further and further away. Now, now, um, <clears throat> so once the Sanhedrin left, the Lishkas Hagazes, it's Mashma from the Gemara and Avedizar, and this is Kilo Adin, Adin Pashit. That Sanhedrin that isn't based out of the Lishkas Hagazes, isn't based out of the, their seat of power in the Beis HaMikdash, no longer has the ability to give it, to get to Dan Dini Nefashis, to give Einshim that involve, you know, capital punishment. The Rambam in, in Yad, Paskins like that, and the Rambam in, in Pirish Mishnayis, in the beginning of Chulin, in the end of Parak Aleph Chulin, the Rambam brings an interesting Hoysafet to that din from the Goinim. The Rambam says as follows, he says, Vida, says, We have Messiah now. At the time that this Pirish Mishnayis was published and learned for the first times, the Shuvah were not available and nobody knew where this Messiah is. Today, a lot of the fragments of Shuvah have been found and we know that it's a Shuvah from Rev. Nechoi Gain and other Gain. There's Gainim who say what the Rambam is saying over here. And the Rambam says, Vida, We have a Messiah which we know comes from the Gainim. Merabisenu Bikabala, Dvarim Rabim Me Rabim, you know, Rabbi from Rabbi, Shazmanenu Zeh. Our times, man hagalos, she'ein b'dini nefashis. This tkufa, where we don't have the power to dan dini nefashis, ein zeh ele b'yisrael shavar averis misa. This is only talking about Jews who committed one of the sins, one of the averis that the Torah says, you get an oinish misa about. Avol haminim v'atztukim v'abaisusim kifi roiv ruusan. People who are uprooting the faith, tztukim, minim, baisusim, etc., who are, you know, uh, Danger to 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 Klaiso to Yiddishkeit. If you rave Ruusim, Einshin Oisam shall I have Sidu as Yisrael. There, there's some sort of dispensation that even though we don't have the right to normally kill, Bezdin lost its power to kill when it's not in Lishkas Hagazes. But people who are causing, you know, fomenting problems in Klaiso, them you're allowed to kill anyhow. The Yavdu Amuna v'Kariyatzim Mizeh Halacha Lamaisa, and this has been passed like this as the Ram Halacha Lamaisa, Anoshim Harbe Ba'artes Hamayrev. The Gamkein, he says, "Mahamakubu biyadeinu, I'm a force of lasses alpiv." Sheisha oisa averis shechayev love Mrs. Bezdin. Someone who actually does one of the averis that yechayev Mrs. Bezdin, and there we know we don't kill him. Hoyl ve'einon yechayelun laden hayoyim dinin nefashis. So he machrimin oisay cheirim oylum. They put him in a life sentence of cheirim. They would say you're in cheirim forever, and that's it. And this is uh, with Sefer Torah, and then they would give him Malkus Mardis, and the ve'ein matirin oisay oylum, and you never take him out of this cheirim. So the Rambam in in, in Pirush Mishnayis gives us. <clears throat> less like his own halacha that he's deducing from the Gemara and more the Messiah of the Ga'inim. Like what was done in Klai's, what was the Messiah of Psak? He says, the Messiah of Psak was that people who were uprooting Klai's or who were causing, you know, problem to, to the Messiah of Klai's, so them, they can be put to death even Bizman Azeh. But people who can't be, so them, we put them in Khairim and that's all. Now, there is seemingly along the way of, of where we stand, where you won't hear of anybody being put to death for anything, there is a, a, like an exception. The rush... So these are all, we'll, we'll get, this is the grace of Machlick is we're showing him what it means when you say, you know, this, these extra legal killings. We'll get that in a second. But there is a, a, 
one like exception to this rule, and that is the, the rush in, in his chuvis, in Klal Yud Zayin. A few times he talks about like engine that we would consider very strange by our standards today. Cutting off a nose, cutting off a tongue, cutting off an arm. The Russia has some very interesting ancient, which maybe we'll, we'll revisit at a different point. But when it comes to capital punishment, when the Rush talks about killing people outside of the Besden structure, the Rush says as follows. The Rush's shail that he's being asked is what we would consider pretty mundane. The Rush is being asked is a person who got into a fight, uh, you know, the entire fight with his neighbors, and he was mechaira from a gadif. He, he said, you know, Shem Hashem with curse words. So they brought him, they hold him in, and they said we should put him to death. The din in the Torah is that someone who's, who says Shem Hashem with a curse gets put to death. And the Rosh has a whole truva back and forth, and then he brings his fowls. Here, here's, the Shiloh takes a long time to, to you know, unravel, and then the Rosh says his fowls. He says, <coughs> he says, this that you're asking me, din in nefashish, all the lands that I know their halachas, that I participated in their halachic legal systems, ain't done in din in we don't do Dina Nefashis anymore. Lule Poi Eretz Svarad. Over here, where I came late in life, in Eretz Svarad, I see over here, you guys seem to be able to dan Dina Nefashis. Vitemani Ma'oid, I found it very, very strange when I came here that you were allowed to dan Dina Nefashis. Echa, you done Dina Nefashis, but Sanhedrin. How could you dan Dina Nefashis without a Sanhedrin at all? The Amruli, Kihormen of the Malku, when I posed this question, they told me we have a special dispensation from the king that we're allowed to do this. Vagam Ha'eda Shaiftim Lahatzel. And we follow the prescriptions of the Torah. We try to save. We do, you know, we do the best we can. Um, <clears throat> and he says, and this is, I think, the line that makes this exception make sense. Says the Russian, what they explained to him is as follows. He says, Think about how much more blood would be spilled. If we would just let the legal system of, of you know, medieval Spain be, be followed and Jews would be subject to the regular legal system, justice system of medieval Spain, many, many more Jews would be killed for many, many more minor infractions. He says, uh, See, the, the, there seems to be in here a certain, a certain like, a kernel of Hatzalah, I feel. Like, what the Rush is describing in Spain is, yes, they have the right to kill, even though normally, without a Sanhedrin, there's no right to kill. But it seems to be almost preventative. Like if we don't kill the people that Apidin we have to kill, then the Spanish authorities will just say, okay, these Jews have no way to run their own, their own business and we'll start killing everybody that they think is appropriate. That'll be much, much worse, he says. So, uh, and the Rosh says, I, I allowed you people to do your minig. My shtemple you never got. I, I don't get, even though the Rosh has many chuvas where the, the ancient we would consider very strange. The Rosh says, my haskama to, to capital punishment you never got. I, I'm not holding by stopping you or making an issue about it, but, but this is the thing. So along the way to, to Kilo totally eradicating capital punishment, there is, like in Spain, it seems, in the, in the, you know, during the Tukufas Yerushayim, there was a certain amount of, of capital punishment that was still being enforced, but it almost seems like it was to save people from being subject to the, to the regular din of capital punishment that was going on in the day. Now, this that we're talking about makes it to Shulchan Aruch, obviously, and uh, the Ramah and Simitav Chavches, the Ramah Paskins, that Agaret, uh, we can't kill anymore, there's no Sanhedrin, we can't kill anymore, and the Ramah takes it even a step further, he says, Kol anybody who would really be chayv in a Mises Bezdem B'zmanazeh, and this again comes from the same Tshuva Sagayin that the Ramah is talking about, where they hold that the Einish of someone who deserves, someone who does something that deserves to be killed, did a very, very severe Chamer de Kaveira, says there's no makam to give him a small einish like Malchus and call it a day. Or give him a small knas and call it a day. 
We don't have anything to substitute what he deserves. Yeah, we can't kill, so that's off the table, so you can't do that. But we can't substitute it with any of these other ancient chavtai to beat him. So what does he say? Just like the Gainim say, we put him in kahal. Almost like we don't want you to be part of our tzibur because you're a bad influence. So we separate him from our kahal. Now here's a very important detail, and this is again similar to the Rambam. This is all Bezdin. If Bezdin sees that there's a special tzayr chasha, and there's you know, something that needs cleaning up, then they could give Einchim in any way they see fit, just like I, I delineated in Simon Beis. Fine. Okay. So this is the this is the the din that the Ramah Paskins, which which sums up what we're saying from the Gemara is that when Sanhedrin left Eretz Yisrael and Lishkas Hagazes, it lost its ability to give out uh, din and nefashas anymore. But there still is some sort of opening where someone who is either a danger to the tzibur or is a roidif or one of these things, there could still be an opening where, where there's potential to still hand out capital punishment. So now, let's move on to that sugya of, of where the exceptions come from. So the exceptions come from, and I want to start, just give a little bit of background. The, the, the history of, of Klaiso during the Bayasheni, the kings, after the story with the Hashmiram. The story with the Hashmiram happens during the Bayasheni, when the Greeks take over Eretz Yisrael, and they... Uh, they, um, you know, they mess up Klai so pretty badly. They corrupt Klai so pretty badly. And then over time, uh, the, the Hashmanam come back and it's a small resurgence, a renaissance that leads to like the beginning of Klai again. But it never becomes the, I guess what we would have in our mind, the renaissance of Klai going back to Tefarta and being Mamash, a huge tzibur of Shem Yitari Mitzvahs and, 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 and everything being straightened out. It doesn't happen like that. That's not how the end of Bayashini goes down. It ends up becoming very, very irreligious kings slowly, slowly, till the end, until the Jewish kings themselves invite the Romans in, and that leads to the destruction of Esamekdash. It doesn't, it never really gets that big lift, you know, back up. So, so during this Tkufa, very, very soon actually, after, after the Hashemiram, I, I, I printed a chart because it's hard to keep track of this, but Matasio, we know, had five sons, right? Of Matasio's five sons, not all of them became kings. Yehuda was killed in battle, Eliezer was killed in battle, Yechanan, Yonason, and Shimon are the ones who become kings. Now, Shimon is the one who reigns for the longest, and his son, Yechanan Horkinus, is, is uh, a king, and then Yechanan Horkinus' son, L'chairu, who is probably the most famous Hashmanai king, is Yanai HaMelech. Yanai HaMelech is a famous king for that kufa, is Yanai. Now, there's Grada Machlekes in Chazal, the Gemara in, in Brachis, and the Fchatesa and Allah brings the Machlekes Abayah and Rava, if Yanai and Yechanan are the same person. Abayah says, who Yanai, who Yechanan? Yochanan is Yochanan Kayin Gadol. Yochanan is Yochanan who went off the derech. Yochanan started off being very firm for 80 years and then he goes off the derech and becomes a tztuki. The Gemara Abaye says, Yanehu Yochanan. It's the same person. Yochanan, who was once such a tzaddik, became so bad, he went down in history as Yanei HaMelech, the, the terrible Yanei HaMelech that we know. Rava says, no. Yanei L'chod V'Yochanan L'chod. Yanei was Yochanan's son. Yanei was one person, Yochanan was another person. But be it as it may, whether Yanai was two people or Yanai was one person, let's wrap him up into one just for the sake of this conversation and explain the tkufa that was going on and where these extra legal punishments come in. So, so Yanai was very insecure. Alexander Yanai, let's assume like Rav's Mahalach, which seems to be the Mahalach that most of the Chazals go with, that he was Yechanan's son, was the younger brother. He was someone who was not going to be king. And when his older brother became king, Yanai was put away in you know, a castle somewhere to languish. He wasn't going to become king. And I think it's normal that if you get sentenced, banished to a castle somewhere, when you finally have your time, you know, your time in the sun and you become king, 
A certain amount of insecurity, I think, is to be, accept, you know, be expected. So Yana came out and he was very, very insecure. He, he marries his brother's Almana, who was the heir to the throne at that time, and he takes over the throne. Right away, on the, right as he, as he, as he goes in, no, 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 and they weren't, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, he comes in, and he, he right away starts killing out uh, the Prushim, the Tamadi Chachamim. Because he didn't, they, you know, they were a big threat to his legitimacy, to his standing. He right away starts killing out all the Tamidi Chacham in Yerushalayim, in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. And there's different Gemaras that say different amounts. The Marshal, the Gemara and Kedushan on the Samach Vav, says that Yana was on his way back from a, from a conquest, and he sat down to a feast, and he was eating, and, you know, the court jester told him, you're eating a suda like Shleim HaMelech, and etc. And then he says, he pipes in, someone pipes in, Yehuda ben Tabay, I think, pipes in and says, Kaivu Melech HaPrushim. Prushim are out to get you. The Tamid Chachamim, they're not, they're, you know, they're stirring the pot. He says, how do you know? And it's a whole, you know, till Tzimsayf, the story ends that he's ready to kill all of them. And the Elam asks, if you kill all the Prushim, all the, all the Tamid Chachamim, what's going to be the Torah? He says, the Torah could sit in the corner where it sits and call me Shiyir Tziyava V'yikrubay. Anyone who wants can come and learn from the Torah. So the Gemara says, the Gemara comments, Miyad Nizrukubay Minus. A certain amount of Apikarsis fell into him because Torah Shibachsav, that's fine. If you kill the Tamidacham, no one's going to teach you the Torah. And the Torah needs interpretation. So, but, but he killed all the Prushim. And the only one he didn't kill was Shim ben Shetach. The Gemara, for example, the, the Brisa in Mesech Tainis tells us that when Yanai was, was in the Beis Mikdash, he did things wrong, Shalaika Halacha, and the Olam threw their Esregim at him. We have a Gemara in Sukkah that says, Regmu Esregim, and the Gemara in Sukkah doesn't tell us who it is. The, 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 the Brisa in Mesech Tainis tells us it was Yanai HaMelech who did something, you know, that was Shalei Kahalach, and they threw their Esregim at him. And again, the repercussions are obvious, he kills thousands of Prushim. Uh, at the time of his deathbed, when laying on his deathbed, the, the Brisa tells us that Yanai took captive 7,000 Tamidah Chachamim, and he put them in a, in a prison, and he instructed the guard, upon my death, kill all these people. And he said, why? Because I know the Prushim are going to be happy when I die, it'll be a mixed bag for them. They won't know if they should be happy that I died or should they be sad that 7,000 Tamidah Chachamim died. So Yanai was in a, you know, a cage match, a death match with the Prushim. With the Prushim. Now Yanai had a brother-in-law, Shem Ben Shetach, who was uh, from the earliest Tanoim. And <coughs> Shem Ben Shetach was speared. His, Yanai's wife, Shem Ben Shetach's sister, <coughs> saved Shem Ben Shetach and she sent him away into hiding. Now the Gemara Brachas tells us that Shem Ben Shetach, there was a time that in Yanai's court, they were trying to figure out what Pirchas Hamazim to make, and they didn't know what Pirchas Hamazim to make, and they realized that this has gone too far, and there's no Tamid Chum, they don't know anything about Halacha, and uh, she bartered for her brother's life, and she said, I'll bring him back, but you have to promise me that he's safe. And they brought Shem Menchetach back, and there starts a certain small revival renaissance starts happening in the court of Yana Melech, where a little bit Halacha starts coming back into play. Now, the Brisa in Mesach Tainus tells us that Shem Menchetach was placed on a Bezdin with a Bezdin Hagadli Yerushalayim of 71 with 70 other Amaratzim because they were all Tzukim. Everyone else there didn't know, didn't know any halacha, they knew Psukim. So Shem Meshetach devised a shtickle ingenious way to, to weed out the Bezdin. He knew that if he would stand up and say that tomorrow Bezdin has to be all my friends, it would have no shot of being listened to. So what he said is, he said as follows, it makes sense, you guys are Tzukim, and everything that's important to you is min Tarish you know what's written in the Torah. Says so every din that we pass in Sanhedrin, aleinu lahavi raya from a pasuk. Said so you have to bring a raya from a pasuk. Now, this is not a din that, that applies to a regular Jewish bezdin. This was Shimon Shalach's innovation for the Tzuki bezdin. And then one by one, he would, as as the most esteemed member of the bezdin, 
he would kill a task, different dayanam with writing the paper of the, of the psak, for today's psak. And he would say, you know, uh, today it should be your turn. And that guy who was an Amaretz would struggle, wouldn't come up with a Pasek. And Shemun Shetak would say, it seems you're not suitable for the Bezdin anymore. Okay, so you retire. And he would take one of his Talmidim. Until slowly, after enough time, he sacked the whole Bezdin with Talmidim and Shemun Shetak, And he weeded out all the, all the, you know, the, the Tzukim. And the, the Bryson Sechistainah says, I forgot which day it was completed. On the day that it was completed, the Shemun Shetak restocked the whole Sanhedrin with proper Dayanim is a day that we're not allowed to fast. It's like, a, it's a happy day. It's Yom Tov and Klayisro. And I say this just to give a little background to the Tkufa that Shem Manchetach was, was, was living in. Now, with this in mind, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, on Daf uh, Memdalad, I think, tells us a few procedural elements of how a Sanhedrin has to operate when it's dealing with capital cases. The Gemara says they can't down two things in one day, they can't, uh, you know, there's a few different procedural elements. And right away the Gemara starts asking, The Gemara brings, the Gemara seems to know that there's a story with Shem Manchetach where he didn't follow these procedural elements of, of how Sanhedrin, when it dans, you know, Din Nefash is supposed to be done. And the Gemara keeps asking a few points. The Gemara jumps up and says, Valeh Shem Chetach didn't do that. So, so what's this story? And, and one second, and to which the Gemara finally retorts after like a few back and forth, the Gemara finally answers. The Gemara says, Amr Eliezer Shamati. Eliezer says, I heard that the Pshat and Shem Chetach and this, the takeaway Din that we could take from Shem Chetach, Shamati says, Shabezdin makin va'inchin shalemin atayra. Bezdin's allowed to do things that are out of the lines. And he says, not not to punish someone for violating a specific halacha in the Torah. In the, in the Torah. He says, I'll read a few. He says, to create boundaries, to, to, to create some sort of deterrent for the Torah. There was someone who rode on a horse on Shabbos during the Greek Tkufa, which is this Tkufa that we're discussing, the Shemman Shetach Tkufa. They gave him Skila. It's only the Rabbanon to ride on a horse on Shabbos. It's not a day so you don't get Skila for that. So the Gemara brings a raya to each one. Makin va'inchin. Inchin refers to the ultimate einish being put to death, and makin just means beating. And the Gemara brings a story of each from the Greek period that Bezdin, although they, they seemingly don't have the power and they lost their power, they're still allowed to do things that you wouldn't expect that they're allowed to do. So now what is the story with Shimon Shetach? So the story with Shimon Shetach, Rashi brings, the Bavli doesn't tell us, the Yushalmi elsewhere says the story, and Rashi brings a slightly different version than the Yushalmi. Rashi and Sanhedrin brings a slightly different version of the Yushalmi and brings as follows. It was a story, Rashi says, of a, <coughs> of a terrible guy in Russia who died on, on a day, and a pretty decent guy, you know, a Rebbe who died on the same day, and their Levias, their funerals were going out at the same time, each one heading to their own location. And at that time, the town was attacked by, a, you know, by, a, by an army or whatever. And in the confusion, the two, the two mitas got switched. And the good guy went to the, to the crypt of you know, evil, Mr. Evil. And the, the bad guy went to the, to the, to the you know, Chalkasar Abanim. And the, the Talmud of this, of, this, of this person was very bothered. And he would go all the time to his Rebbe's grave and he would dive and he would cry. He was very troubled that his Rebbe was buried in the wrong spot, in the Rishon's place. And uh, finally, after enough tefillah and davening, his Rebbe comes to him and his Rebbe tells him, relax, don't, don't worry. I have a good over here. I, I'll show you what my schar is going to be. I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to be rewarded for everything. But I, I one time 
you know, did something small, that I did, did something wrong, and I needed to be punished. So I have to be here for a certain amount of time to be punished, but ultimately everything's going to be good for me. So the Talmud asks him, and so until when is your sentence? When are you finally going to be able to move on and not be punished? He says, until Shimon ben Shetach comes and takes my place. When Shimon ben Shetach, the grace of Tana, comes and takes my place and gets punished instead of me, then I'll be able to move on. So Shimon ben Shetach, what's Tana? What's, why is he going to you know, go to Gehenna? So he says, because there's uh, women, Machashefis, there, are, there are, are ladies who are you know, practitioners of Kishif who operate in Ashkelon, and he doesn't deem to do anything about it. He does nothing about it, Shimon ben Shetach. So he's on the hook for all that they're doing. So this guy goes running to Shimon Shetach and he tells him, I just, you know the whole story, this is what happened, and, and uh, you know, you, bet you, you might want to take care of this. So it says Shimon Shetach gathers up 80 Talmidim, 80 Viz Talmidim, and they take young, strong men, and they take barrels, and they go on a rainy day, and all this is to, min- to diminish the power of these Machashefas, and Shimon Shetach pretends to be someone else, and he says he's coming with a question, he needs to ask them a Kishif question, and they let him in, and his Talmidim sneak in and you know, form a perimeter around them. And then they all, each one, when they're in, all in position, he gives the, sim, the sign, and every Talmud grabs one of them, lifts them off the ground, places them in a barrel, which seems to, to stunt their ability to do Kishif, and brings them to Bezdin. And Shimon Shetach passes collective judgment on all 80 of these Machashefas, puts them to death on one day, and hangs them, even though they're women, which is, again, procedurally incorrect. And, and, and uh, you know... Remedies Klal Yisrael of this, uh, this great evil. Now, this is the story of Shem Ben Shetach that's being referred to, that the Gemara keeps asking from, that Valay Shem Ben Shetach, and from where the Gemara deduces that Vaisleist is a din of Makin Vaishan Shlem, and Vaisleist is a way to go out of the lines and to do things that aren't, that aren't regular. Now, the story rather has a, a sad footnote, is that Shem Ben Shetach, the reason why the Rashi brings down the story is because Shem Ben Shetach's son, who was a good guy, was. Adam came to Bezdin and said that he committed something that he deserves to be put to death for. And they, served, they endured all the drishas and chakiris and they kept it straight together. And Shimon Shetach's son was being taken out to be, to be, to be put to death. And Shimon Shetach's son knew that this whole thing was a frame-up to get back at his father for putting all these machashefas to death. And he said, he made an announcement that when I'm going out, if, if I have this oven in me that they're accusing me of, my death should not be a kapara. Then Aimbi, if I don't have this Avera that they're telling me, then Tehemi Sasi Kapara Liyul Chal Yisrael. And sadly, there was no way to stop this. And Shimon Shetach's son was put to death as like revenge for what Shimon Shetach did. It was, it was, you know, that type of error. So, and the story is that Shimon Shetach was, was acting, you know, very, very in, wildly out of the lines of what was allowed. And from there, the Gemara says, Shamati, or Lazim Yaak says, Shamati, I heard there's a din, that Makamaj Shalem and a din, that there's. His ability to act outside the lines. Not everything is so straightforward like the Dinamar. Now, okay, I'm, r- I'm running out of time here. And, be- and, 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 uh, and, and this din, that Makamayi Shalem and a din, is takapaskin like this in Chayish Mishpur and Simon Beis, and later on in, in, in Simon Taf Chafei, with Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that even up to Uzman Azeh, that there's a din, that Bezdin Ziachal to be Makamayi Shalem and a din. Now, like I started off with, the most common case where that could be found is by Maestrum. Now, I want to talk about a a story with the Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin, who was arrested, which unfortunately was not uncommon for Rebbes in Russia, but his was a unique story, but it's, it's going to be next week's story, and we'll talk about Maestrum in Europe in you know, recent, relatively recent history. Uh, 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 uh,